so much for doing this tonight. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for bringing me on. The man Absolutely. with quite possibly the best hair in jiu-jitsu. <laughs> I think Cobrini is that guy. I can't steal his title. Uh, what kind of what kind of product you guys use? Because like you got you got the the fashion model like yeah. look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's like uh like a clay one, you know. <laughs> but yeah, because like yeah, I've heard, I've heard that before. I get my students bug me about that. They always joke around and mess with me because of that. It's true because like your profile picture on Facebook is just like a model shot, and I was like, "Damn, yeah. like I don't have anything like that. There's nothing that can do it. <laughs> I'm losing. My, I've lost my, most of my hair anyway, so it won't matter." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was my first ever uh, acting headshot. Actually, I probably there we go. Changed that. I think that was like four years ago now. Yeah, are you right. actually like, getting into acting right now? Like, how how did that whole yeah, process man. begin? So, I've been doing it for a little while now. It's, uh, it's crazy. Cause like it was going really well. And now like I'm doing commercials still right now, but like, it's not something that like, man, I, I love to keep doing it right now, but literally the amount of times they want to do a COVID test during a shoot is like, it, it just, it gives me a headache, you know, like, um, it's weird. They, they want to do like, you probably get tested twice, twice a day on every set. And then like, it's so strict right now that like, I've kind of just put it on hold until this whole thing is over. Yeah. We had uh, Mike Sheenan on and he does um, construction work for like movie sets and TV commercials and all that. And he, he gets tested like every day or twice a week, at least I know that for where he's cool. doing. I yeah. I didn't know I didn't know that either, but I I've, I've heard with like Hollywood and like there's a lot of movies actually being shot in Toronto right now and yeah. the, the the rules are very strict where like you you can't walk on a set without a without a covid test. And yeah, like Yeah. Yeah, I mean like even before the like before when they offer you the part now, they kind of tell you like here's what you're going to have to do, are you comfortable doing it? And it's not like, I don't know. I mean, it's not that I wouldn't be comfortable doing it. It's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's really annoying. You know, the whole, the whole, a lot of the rules right now, I don't want to knock them. I understand it's, we have to have to uh, do it all to a degree, but for the acting part of it, it's like, I, I just feel like it's like you do a COVID test, but then you're also on set with like 30 people at one time. It's like, I don't know. Does it really, if someone's got it, and it's on a set. I feel like you're gonna something's gonna happen, you know? Yeah, and it's not like you guys are in like a bubble, like some of these like big productions would be, and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, like uh, it, it's it's pretty busy still. Like you have the whole yeah. film crew and everybody that's doing the sets and everything like that, and then um, you see how many people are actually there, and then the actors like they're all kind of in their own little like um, what is it called like a. Uh, own little like area where they have to hang out and chill for a little while and everything i just i don't know i'm gonna i think i'm gonna wait a minute till uh till the whole covid thing is done you know what is um nice. some stuff that you've been in like in the last couple of years that you've like either auditioned for or, like anything like movies tv anything that anybody has seen you in uh yeah so i did i did u.s weekly's famous feuds which was a lot of fun i played uh i played brad pitt on that one which was super cool. So like we did like a whole like TV series on him, like from his like start of his career till like the end. 
And then uh, I just did a, I did a Netflix paranormal survivor. I've done a few paranormal shows. There's one on Netflix right now. And uh, I did a lot of, a lot of commercials, just did a uh, shoot for LG. I've got another one coming up that I'm doing right now too on social media, which is kind of cool, which uh, is interesting actually, because I used to, I'm actually getting a lot now of, of messages of like for social media commercials, because with the times of everything that's going on right now, it seems like a lot of big companies and, and uh, people are trying to do shoots for social media and just have it posted on there more than they are on TV. It's crazy. I think there's a lot more. I think you have to look at like advertising and commercials and see, okay, like what are people watching? Like people aren't watching regular TV anymore. Like where are people's eyeballs most of the time? It's on, it's on your phone, right? You're on Instagram, you're on Facebook, you're on any of those platforms. That's where, you know, I think people are going to aim their, their advertising, not, not just regular, like I'm going to buy 30 seconds of commercial time. And (laughs) it's true. And it's like social media, everybody's kind of in their phone scrolling and doing all that now, you know? So I think a, a lot of commercials, a lot of companies, that's what they're trying to do right now. They're pushing it towards that a lot which is good. It's good for social media influencers. It's good for, uh, good for athletes, good for everybody, I think. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting how the shift goes from, obviously, like, the big-time movies, obviously, the silver screen, everything like that. But even, like, Warner Brothers, for example, like, moving their entire lineup for 2021 will stream all on HBO Max and then in select theaters across the U.S. But like obviously Ontario, we won't have anything right now. So basically all the theater sales is going to be like plummeting because they've like, we're not going to get it anyways. So we're like, okay, we're just going to move the entire catalog over to HBO Max. So we'll get it in some of them in like Crave, but it'll go online and movie theaters all at once. Yeah, I, I was literally just saying that to my wife too about like how I miss going to the movie theaters. Yeah. <laughs> this time of year, like you're used to going and seeing like the Christmas movies and the new movie releases for the holidays. Like it's a bummer, man. Yeah, no, it is. It's unfortunate. It's going to be, um, when it's, it's a hard, like, like the fitness industry, obviously martial arts, like that's one industry that's been hit hard really well as, as well yeah yeah and like yeah it's crazy i kind of went silent when all this stuff happened with the gym and everything and like i don't know like even even it's it's such a weird time like you put your gi on and you, you got people looking at you like you're a criminal or something you know what i mean <laughs> it's like, true it's literally it's it's messed up like I, I literally feel like that sometimes i throw my gi on and i'm like people think you're crazy because you're going to train even if it's with like two people whatever whether your close friends like that come over, come over to your house and everything and hang out with you. They're coming over and hanging out. You might as well roll. <laughs> so what have the, so what have you been doing and like, how have you been handling uh, what's been going on with COVID and in 2020 and like, and also for people that don't know you, like uh, talk a little bit about your gym, like where it's located and what yeah. you, what's been going on this, the last year for you? Yeah. So the last year I have been doing a lot of social media marketing. I help a lot of people with marketing. Um, I do, I do a lot of that. I've been doing uh, commercial stuff still. I'm also actually, uh, which is why it took me a few weeks to actually jump on with you guys. Cause I've, I was doing exams. So I'm finishing up my real estate license as well. So I'm really, uh, I'm trying to stay as busy as I can 
and like working a lot and doing all that, spending time with my family and like haven't been in my gym too much, to be honest. It's kind of a kind of weird because like I'm used to <laughs> I'm used to like being home Monday to Friday at like 10 p.m. like late. And now like I get home at like six, have dinner at like a normal time. It's like strange, you know. But I've been uh, I've been trying to keep busy, trying to stay stay active with things, and you know, with the gym though, right now, uh, it's kind of like it's such an unforeseeable future with what's gonna happen, you know. Like um, currently, right now, we've moved our classes online again for a little bit. Um, to be truthful with you guys, we had a we had a couple people from the gym actually test positive. And uh, I had the health department call me. I had to deal with all that stuff. And I just thought, like, I'm like, man, this is such a headache to, like, reopen the gym, have this happen, have to phone everybody, tell everybody that's been there. A couple weeks go by. There's a risk of it happening again. Then you have to have to reclose. And uh, I had the health department call us. They were super cool. They were They were nice, but, like, they drill you on the phone, want to know every single protocol, want to know your hours. They just, they ask you a ton of questions. And for me right now, I just feel like I would almost rather just wait for this to be over, you know? Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's a lot. Well, I kind of understand from like the health department standpoint of going like, okay, so like what happened? What are your hours like? Yeah. How is training? How did it like uh, now? Like the, if you don't mind me asking, um, did, did the, did, a lot of these people that tested positive, did they get it from other places or like, was there like any sort of contact tracing or like, what was the yeah so, uh, process like? So what I heard was that there was a breakout in the police department and one of our, our officers that trained at the gym, he actually got it. So he, uh, he contacted me and I was kind of wondering, I'm like, well, I was wondering where he was. Cause usually he's like, a he's in there often, you know, with lifting weights and, and just working out so he uh he got his his co-workers got it that are on the same shift as him and then about three or four days later he started telling me like he started uh getting a headache feeling like he had a cold and uh he went and got tested and it came back positive and then uh he called me told me about it health department called me and then uh that's when we had to do the whole contact tracing we call everybody let them all know and it's uh it's just such a, such a weird, like, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know, you don't, sometimes you feel like you don't take it seriously, and then it comes really close to you, and you, you know, and then you're, you don't really know how to react anymore. Yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those things where, like, you don't think it's going to happen to you, and then it happens to you. Yeah, yeah, like, man, I, it's such a, like, and then some people say, oh, it's nothing. Some people take it more seriously. Like, I don't know. I feel like you got to have a kind of like respect all ends of it, you know, like, um, the guys that did get it told me that the worst part they had was the headache is that it was like 48 hours of like a pure headache that sucked. And then after that, they said it felt like it was like a cold, you know? So yeah. that's, I had, yeah, sorry, go ahead. That's what I got from, from the most of it, but, um, still, you know, it's, it's just really weird because for the longest time, I think it was like for the first like eight, nine months, I was like, just trying to like figure out like what is going on. I don't know anybody that has, it, you know, like everybody I talk to, 
I didn't know anybody. And I'm thinking to myself, this is kind of weird. Like, I, I think like eventually I'd find out like somebody has it, but none of my friends, nobody I knew had it. So I, I didn't really take it as serious. As, I didn't really take it seriously, you know, I'll be honest. And then uh, when it, when it hit the, the gym situation, that's when I was like, Whoa, okay. Like now I know people that have it. I'm starting to learn more about it, but at the same time, I don't think I really know anybody really knows everything about it, but it's, uh, yeah, it got really weird. So, yeah, I've like, I think in like me and Aaron's situation, like I've had, I was actually having this conversation with my wife at the beginning of the year, we were both like, I would say around January, yeah. like before like COVID was a thing, like in March, we were both actually really sick in like maybe about mid to end, end of January. Yeah. We're like, it was a good, like two, three weeks. And I was talking, I think Aaron about this a while ago too. Like, mm -hmm. I think there's a strong chance that it was around before like March where it was like that full scale, like panic freak out that happened with everybody. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure uh, there was a strong chance that I had it already. And my wife had it already. Cause we're thinking back. Cause like the beginning of the year, like we're both like really sick for a good, like two, three weeks. Like basically what you said, like, headache, cough, cold, like just off and on, just, you feel lethargic. You just, you, you don't feel, you just basically you just felt horrible. My wife had some like tight chest breathing. Like, I think she actually went to the doctors and got like a breathing treatment at one point. And she actually felt a lot better. Cause they're like, Oh, like it could be what they said to her was it was an unknown strain of influenza. Right. Right. Which then turned into like, ah, you know, like my chest is tight and like, it doesn't feel great. And then like, she, like a lot, there was a lot of symptoms that added up to like, you know what this, like when we're thinking back on it now, like at the end of the year, it's like, you know, this kind of sounded like COVID at the time. Yeah. yeah. And that's weird. Cause like, honestly, the exact same thing happened to me in March. We went to our, yeah, it was March, late February, early March. I went to the kids Pan Ams in California and uh, we were training at Cobrinas. I remember we did a big kids Pan Am camp, spent the week there. Um, I got home and like, I, I got sick, like pretty sick. And I was like, I've never felt this before. This is kind of weird. Didn't know, like, I had one of those, like, um, I was like sweating a lot. My shirt <laughs> was like soaked in sweat. I went to the bathroom. I started to throw it up. I was literally like, what the hell? I thought, I just figured it was a heavy fever. A couple of days went by, it passed. But it's like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are in that situation where it come february march when it was just starting to hit i think there probably was a lot of people that got it and had no idea i think so too because well there wasn't really like a lot of testing back then either so like there yeah. were, people weren't really testing for it until like the end of march like beginning of april when they're trying to like figure out okay like who's got it what's going on where have they been like what activities are they doing like kind of like what they're doing like when they called your gym like hey like yeah pretty much just like hey what's going on like where was this person? Where was that person? What are you doing classes? I guess those are like a lot of the questions that you probably had to answer that you were talking about previously. Yeah, the crazy thing though, is like, they were even asking me like what type of hand sanitizer and cleaning products where we have and what are in them. And I'm like, man, I, I cannot answer that question. I'm sorry. Like, uh, you know, like I could tell you the gist of like, we use an all purpose cleaner on the mats, but like, you know, as far as like what's mm. in it and in the hand sanitizer, I don't go with that, man. I don't have any idea, you know, <laughs> but they were asking some strange questions. Yeah, no, like I could, I know because they have so many more like case managers and all that. And they, 
they want to know, like you said, like everything. If, they, if there's any possible mm-hmm. tracing, they want to know exactly, are you following protocol? Are you doing X? Are you doing Y, right? And it's it's kind of, it's a little, it's overboard, but I understand it. Me you know too, I mean? me too. And that's like why like right now, you know, I'm just starting to like kind of talk to people and tell people about this. But like, for me, like personally right now, I, I just, I'd rather put a hold on the gym and wait for this to be over because like, I just, I don't want to keep going through every three to four weeks, having to close for 14 days, having to call everybody, having the health department call me. It's not a cycle I want to keep running through. And then the fact that like, you know, I understand I'm not, I'm not going to go and like knock all the rules and everything, but we're not allowed to roll. You're not allowed. Everything's solo drills. So like, sure. Like I'll let guys go in and lift weights and use the gym. That's awesome. They can do that. But I just, I don't think I'm going to be running much inside there until this is done. I think I'm going to, going to wait and then, uh, see how, see how long this thing goes, you know? Yeah. Cause like, no matter what you do, jujitsu is one of those things where you can't really socially distance and practice at the same time. Yeah, it's just yeah. about as intimate as a sport you can get. So yeah, no matter what. And it's also, a, it's, it's a, a, a sport or a, like a martial art. You have to practice to get better with, especially with a partner. You need, you need sure. to, you know, drill with a partner that's going to react in a way that's going to help you out. It, it's very difficult to learn jujitsu and just do solo drills. Like I know sure. a lot of schools are like, Hey, we're going to work with dummies. We're going to do this. Like yeah. there's only so much you can do with that. I know like that a lot of schools, like, they're, they're trying, they're just, you know, they're trying to offer a service to people still. But it's just, it's, it's a difficult time. And yeah, like, regardless, I think of even like the procedures in place, like a lot of people are doing like pods and like, okay, you guys are going to train with specific people, but then like stuff can still happen. Like you can't control a virus. Like you can't just like lock the door and don't expect a virus to come into your gym or school or anything. Like it's gonna, it's gonna come in there at some point. Yeah. I felt the same way with that. Like I was like, oh, we're fine, you know? And then you know, and then all of a sudden we weren't fine. And I was like, it's, it's one thing, like, for example, like some of the guys that have been training with me for like 15 years, you know, like we've been training forever. If one of them gets it, it's like, okay, we kind of knew that we were, that we were taking on a risk training together and we know each other. We're not going to be mad at each other. We, we prepared for this. Like there's like four of us that are regular training, but I just feel like what really, really makes me nervous is that if somebody gets it that I don't really know, that's maybe fairly new to the gym or, or anything like that, I, I don't want to take on the responsibility of that, that big problem and that scare, you know, I would rather, like, I haven't taken on any new members in a long, in like, since this started and uh, it sucks. It's unfortunate, but you know, I think like, I got nothing but respect for everybody that's really pushing through this thing and keeping going and, and grabbing the dummies and doing all that stuff and the solo drills. And it's great that they're, they're still doing this stuff, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I think after the health department calls and, and people getting it, we've had a, we had a few, few situations. I, I just, I don't, I don't want to take that on again. Yeah, no, I, I, I feel you. Because like some people might not be in that position where they can just shut down. They have to do whatever to keep things going. But yeah, no, I totally get it where you just, that's the comfort level thing, right? It's what you're prepared to take on and what you can do. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's true. And I think everybody's got their own different comfort level towards it, which uh, I think is, you know, I respect all of it. I just think for me right now, I'm like, you know, if the guys want to go lift weights and, and do stuff like that and use the gym, I'm totally fine with it. But we're just not running any classes or anything. We're doing more online mm -hmm. and stuff like that. That might be the safest way for now. And then, you know, you never know, like things might be moving faster than hopefully. And then you'd be in a bit different spot maybe three months from now. Who knows? Right. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, yeah, it's like, if I was like 19 again, I'd probably be bugging like four or five of my friends. Like we all got to live in the same house. Like yeah, <laughs> get together. we have to trade. Like nobody's leaving the damn house. You know what I mean? Like I'd probably, I'd probably do something like that. And it's like, I think about these things often because like, we always had a, a really, really competitive kids program of like a solid group of color belt kids that like these kids would travel all the time, compete all the time. Like they would go train with Cobrinha. They were, they were just super dedicated kids. And it's like, I think about this all the time, but like, man, it, I feel so like a feel for them because like, this is their time now, their age that they're like, should be really traveling and really going forward and, and doing all that stuff. And with this going on right now, and it's like, they can barely train anymore. It sucks. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unfortunate as well. Cause a lot of people are losing like an out, like a major outlet for like what they're doing. So like, I know like with me and Aaron had a program at a, at a gym that we don't meant that we don't speak of. And unfortunately that gym is closed right now. And <laughs> oh, it's, clo it's closed right now and we can't really teach out of there right now, but it's also at the same time if it's like, if me and Aaron wanted to open up and start like a program tomorrow in this environment, it's extremely difficult to do. And it's probably not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. The, the future is very unpredictable because like a month from now, like who, who knows what's going to happen. So true. I got lucky before this, I was literally putting pen to paper to sign a five-year lease contract to a new location and literally, like, I shouldn't say lucky. I would love to still have signed that deal and remained with it and been able to do it. But mm. had I have signed that deal, like, and then this happened, I'd have been locked in for five years, paying, paying something a lot higher than what I am now going, holy shit, you know, what do I, what do I do? Right. So, but it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, I, I, I think like I'm going to, I'm going to probably end up going insane when this is over and wanting to go all out on a new gym and get all the toys and make it beautiful. You know, I can't wait for that. <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of people that are like, they've had time to think and kind of go, okay, how can I make it much better? How do I take it to the next level? Where am I going to go with the next business or whatever? Cause like, yeah. even like, I think it was like in the summertime, like Mike and I were like talking cause there was like three, four other clubs that were like, coming up in the greater Toronto area. And we're like, yeah. how the fuck are these guys opening up? And it's just like, like and, and like, I feel, I, yeah, recently, like. This is recently, feel, like in like July and August, there were a good three, and they're all like very close to each other as well. So it was like, really, was, yeah. uh, a, a lot of gyms in like the North York area. It's like, there's a couple that are opening and I'm like, okay, like, like, I don't know if I would pick that timing personally to open a, uh, open a gym, like during a pandemic. Cause yeah. Like, yeah. things can go from bad to worse like they have like in the, I would say the last couple months yeah I think like there's like for like for some gyms I think it's harder right now if you're an all jujitsu academy 
you know, like if you get, if you can develop a good striking program, like, you know, they do bag work and solo drills and stuff like that, or weights and everything like that. That's always good. Cause I mean, like things like Taekwondo too, you know, they can still do that. There's still guys having successful schools with that still. But I think with rolling, it just makes it so much harder. Like, you know, convincing you can't, can't socially yeah. distance and roll at the same time. It, it, that yeah. doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's true. And then you're used to going to the gym and seeing like 30, 40 people and being packed and exciting. And then, you know, it's tough. I got to walk into my gym right now and I, I get upset. I'm not going to lie. I get a little bit sad. Like, I'm like, man, even I put my gi on right now, I feel like it's, it makes me sad. I won't lie. You know, it's um, something I'm just not used to. Dan, I wanted to ask you, uh, I don't think I've ever asked you this. How did you actually get involved in jiu-jitsu initially? I know you have connections to Cabrino. We can talk about that later and like mm. how you, how you met him and everything, but like, how did you actually get started in jiu-jitsu initially? Yeah. So I, uh, I used to be like, I used to be a bit of a punk. I used to get into a lot of fights and stuff like that and do all that. So my mom was like, I got to put this kid in something. So she threw me in Taekwondo and uh, I got started in Taekwondo because I, I didn't really like, you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I think it was just something to get my energy out. And uh, <laughs> Phil McIsaac started teaching there. He's uh, he started teaching at the Taekwondo place and it was once a week that he was teaching Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. And I started only going to class <laughs> once a week because I realized I'm like, I didn't care to do any other classes. And uh, Phil was older at the time. Like, I think at this time, he was probably, like, in his 50s, maybe. And uh, I was, like, 16 years old. And he just mopped the floor with me. Like, I just felt, like, ragdolled. And I just couldn't, like, even though he's older than you and everything still, like, I felt like I was, like, just in disbelief at how easy he did it. I was like, what is this? You know, it's crazy. And then uh, I'm a pretty obsessive kind of guy. Like if I get into something, I'm like, I really, really want to get into it. And that's the same thing. Like what I did with acting, all that, like, I just like, I don't know if I like something, I kind of like, I kind of get a little bit crazy wanting to do it a lot. So I, uh, I started figuring out, like, I wanted to find somebody that had my body type. Like I was like, it, I, I see like jujitsu has all sorts of different body types, different movements. So I wanted to find somebody that was similar to my body type as possible and I also had the mindset of like, no, if I'm, I'm going to train, like I want to find somebody that's like really, really good to teach me. So I had both Mark Bocek was teaching me for a really long time, actually. And obviously I have nothing bad to say about Mark. He's his jujitsu is incredible. Him, uh, Andrew McInnes was teaching me for a long time. And uh, those two together, like we were always, always training. I was always learning from them. And then uh, Mark ended up getting a UFC contract. And uh, I knew I was like, okay, he's going to be hundred percent focused on MMA and the UFC contract. And rightfully so, you know, he just got into the UFC. So he was going to take that extremely seriously. And uh, I started uh, watching the worlds, started watching jujitsu. And uh, I was literally picking, I was going to choose to who I was going to train with. It was either going to be Marce Marcelo Feitosa or Cobrinha. And it just so happened they were facing each other in the finals of the 2006 World Championship. <laughs> after, that, after that match, I was in disbelief at how good Cobrinha was. Because at that time, Marcelo Feitosa was the man. Like he was like, he was beating everybody. 
And uh, I thought like, I was like, this is where I want to go. You know, that's who I'm going to train with. And I didn't really know, know Cobrinha much because that was his first world title. I didn't, I didn't really know much about him. And um, what happened was Cobrinha faced him and Cobrinha beat him 11, nothing. And I was just like, the control this guy has, the skill this guy has, like, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. So I wanted to train with him, but he was living in Brazil at the time. And then uh, Ricardo Amendolia knew how obsessed I was with Cobrinha's skill. And Ricardo found out first he was moving to Atlanta to live and, and teach at Jacare's gym in Atlanta. So mm-hmm. Ricardo hit me up and told me, and I booked a flight the exact same day Cobrinha arrived. So then I went, I went over there. I was pretty young. I think I was like 18 or 17. I flew to, I flew to Atlanta, stayed there, stayed there with him. And it was pretty sweet because he made like a, made a deal with me. He let me sleep on his couch and he was like, you teach me English and I'll teach you jujitsu. And, uh, <laughs> and that's how that went. So like, he would always be like, tell me, he's like, email me a lot. Okay. Don't call me because it's easier for me to learn English when you email me and then you grab his dictionary and we'd email back and forth. And uh, yeah, that's how I got started with Cobrinha. That's awesome. Like, so you, yeah. you know what I noticed with a lot of like Brazilians and like, you know, like the Portuguese, like learning, like, did you, did you initially teach Cabrina the, the stereotypical way to like teach a technique? Okay, guys, this yeah. is what we, this is what we're going to do now. Okay. Yeah, we, yeah. we take the leg and then we, was, was that like the first English lesson that you gave him or think, what was the first English lesson? I think I spent so much time with him that he started messing up my English. I was literally, <laughs> it started to feel that way. I would start teaching and talk like that. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're not, you know. Dang, but, hail um, Canadian with a Portuguese, uh, yeah, Portu- Portuguese Brazilian accent. Okay, guys, yeah. heavy press on the pass. Okay, yeah. guys. <laughs> but like, man, honestly, though, like, I still have the same belief. Like, I have never seen anybody train like Cobrinha. And when I say that, I mean, like, holy, like, going there for even just a week and trying to accomplish every training session with him is, like, you feel like when you're done and you leave, like, you just, like, won a world championship in itself or something. Like, what he puts you through is is pretty next level. Like, it's, like, it made me realize, like, it's either you want to do this or you don't, you know? Like, he, uh, that, that type of training is it's it's insane like they've seen a lot of guys go through his gym seen a lot of people get their purple belts seen a lot of people stop training there and uh saying like they just can't handle it it's too much like there was even points for me where i was like you know like man like i'd get in the shower and my back my hands everything would be just like burnt and feel like feel like uh sore and it's like i just the, the, the training, like the, the six to eight hours, the amount of time that they put in. And now I see Kennedy doing it. And I'm not sure if you guys saw him compete last night, but yeah. he is on another level right now. And um, the way Cobrinha trains them and like getting involved with him and, and learning from him was like, it was such a pleasure, you know, such a, such a cool thing to do at a young age, being able to like live with them for a while, train with them for a while. And uh, we're still really close now, and we have a good relationship. I told him he knows about the gym situation. He's the one that pushed me to open a gym, actually. And, uh, yeah, I just I can't wait to go back there one day. You know, hopefully, hopefully that's sometime soon. 
take me um because i'm just curious like how long were you training with him down in atlanta and that was uh alliance hq at the time with uh jacques ray cabrino was like the primary instructor there at the time i believe correct yeah yeah um, he was he was and it was like literally like i wish i could go back and just enjoy those days a little bit again like he he, he the best training like there was so many guys there all the time from all around the world all the guys from alliance they would always come in and, and the training would just be nuts you know but um that that then it was uh at alliance hq in atlanta cobrinha and jacare were both teaching together which is a huge privilege you know you have jacare mm -hmm. like, he has his way of teaching you have cobrinha's way that that he does too and then uh he ended up moving to la and then I ended up following him to LA. But what I actually did was I would, uh, I would stay here in Canada and I would, I was working at uh, little Caesars and I was working at a dollar store. And at that time flights to Atlanta out of Buffalo were literally there and back. It was like 170 bucks. So what I did was I would, I would go for about a month to two months, come back. I'd work for about a month, just like keep working until I had like two grand and then I'd leave, stay there back. as long as I can and stretch out the money for as long as I can. And, uh, you know, he let me sleep on his couch, which was cool. And they didn't really charge me much to train because they knew I was from Canada, just a young white belt kid. So they didn't really, uh, they weren't too strict on me on that, which is I'm thankful for. And I would go, I would go for about a month to two months, come back for a month, go again, come back for a month, go again. And uh, yeah, that's what I just kept doing. Uh, that's pretty amazing, especially like at, at a young age, you're starting like really that jujitsu journey out there in LA and then trying to come back forth and you're like go living those days again, right? Yeah, yeah, it was really cool. Like I made a lot of good friends out there. Like, you know, like I won't lie, I started to get a little bit, uh, as I got older, I, I started to want to be home more actually, as opposed to being away all the time. I think like when I was like 18, 19, I was like, I didn't really have any priorities other than just straight jujitsu. I didn't like, uh, I didn't have any serious jobs or anything like that. That was just what I wanted to do at the time. And then as I got older, I started to like, you know, I would go and I'd find myself missing home. I'd find myself like, just like, almost like I was there a little bit too much sometimes. So then I started kind of scaling it back, but I would go for like still like two weeks, three weeks. And even now, like if I, if I continue to go, it's like, I like to do like two weeks at a time, just enjoy a good vacation. You know, jujitsu for me now is pretty much all for the love and the fun. Take, take me through like some of your, like, I, I'm guessing like you were doing some big tournaments down there. Like take me through some of that. Take me through uh, what a typical like training session was like. Like if you're doing like a world's camp or a Pan Am's camp, like what did that look like with Cabrina? And that, yeah. So that literally is exactly like what it was for me. I, I, I would go over, I, I was doing the circuit a lot then. Like I used to do the Abu Dhabi, the Pan Am's and the world's. Then I'd chill for the rest of the year and I'd do it again chill for the rest of the year, do it again. So I did it for like three or four years straight. And um, I won't lie to you. I literally felt like the off season, I was, my mind was starting to enjoy it a little bit more. And it was, uh, it was one of the things that at first, that's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a world champion. I wanted to train jujitsu and, and just like 
really, really learn and do all that. And then I slowly found myself actually enjoying way more teaching what Cobrinha taught me back here in Canada. And that's what I started doing a lot. I, I found like, I, I love just being an instructor. I love teaching. And uh, I started like almost like the whole grind of like six days a week, two to three times a day thing. I slowly started to feel like, I don't know, is this really what I want to do? Like I have, I have uh, like I've staying you guys before I'm a bit like I'm a bit obsessive with a few things that I want to do. And I, I, I do have a bit of a belief that if you're going to be a really, really high level competitor, like, sure, you can do other things too, but I do think that you need to really focus on training, like has to be like the be all and end all. And I tell my students that even here, like uh, some of the younger guys, like as soon as they start hitting a certain age of like 16, 17, 18, I'm like, you guys should start thinking now about going to California, going to, into these gyms and spending time there if that's what you want to do. Because honestly, and just my own little belief here, but I think, I don't think anybody really knows if they, if that's what they really, really want to do until they spend that amount of time there with the world, the black belt world champions going through the day to day of what they put you through and seeing if, if this is what you really love. Some people absolutely love it. Some people go, you know, okay, maybe I just want to train jujitsu for the love of it. Other people say, no, I'm going to freaking go at it like a beast. And that's what I want to do, you know? So I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it for that time for a little while. And um, I still, I still will go there for like a week if I'm when we're allowed and uh, train and stuff like that. But that's uh, the, the camp wise was like, I would be sleeping on my, on the couch, literally at Cobrini's house. And like the way he was, was like, he wouldn't even tell me when the training session was, it was like, just be prepared. So like, I remember it'd be like five 30 in the morning and he'd be waking me up that we have to go lift weights. And like, I didn't even know, he didn't even tell me the night before, you know? And then when I would say something to him about it, like, Oh, how come you didn't tell me? It's no, no, no. You should go to bed. I don't need to tell you, you know? And he would say things like, you know, if you want to be a champion, you go to bed, get your ass to sleep and get a good sleep, you know? And it was, uh, even with him, like you put, you pull out a chocolate bar in front of him. He looks at you like you're nuts, you know, like it's the food, everything was, is dialed in with him still is. It's something like, I can't even explain how much I admired it. It's, it's crazy. I had a similar experiences. That, Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. No, I was just going to say, like, I think that's what you see the different levels. You see the people who are hmm. dialed in and how much more they are there compared to the people who are like, I'm thinking about it. They just want to tip their toe into it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, stop when I stopped competing, I think I was 21. It was like the 2011 worlds was the last one I did. And when I stopped, it was one of the hardest things for me mentally to do because like I was used to it. And at that same time, I was questioning myself, like, should you stop? Like, should you, or should you keep going? You know, like, do you, it was, it was one of those things that like, you know, it, 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 it bugged me, but at the same time I was like, no, you're making the right decision. Like what I wanted to do, my real goal was I wanted to make sure that I was really financially stable, um, and, and take care of my business life. That was, that was what I wanted to do as well. And, um, you know, I saw, I saw a lot of guys that were, doing jujitsu, um, at a high level and, and still having some struggle. It does happen. 
Um, and I, I just, you know, I had some other missions in my mind that I wanted to do and wanted to accomplish. And uh, it was one of the hard things to stop because you also have people in your ear that are like telling you that you're crazy, telling you you'll be a world champion, you should do this. Like, what are you doing? You're nuts. But uh, I think I think I made the right decisions. Yeah, I had a similar experience because like there was uh, I had a, a stint in California where I, I lived down there for a few months. I was doing like a camp for worlds. I was training with a lot of like the, the, the high top like Humai Ta guys. I was training with, like Zach Maxwell pretty regularly. I was yeah. making some. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I was just saying, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, so I was training with a lot of them. So I had like a similar experience to you. So I was getting put through the ringer daily where it's like, you go to this practice and then you're going to lift weights. And then you're going yeah. to practice at night and then you're going to get up. You're going to sleep. You're going to do it again. And then I was also, I made, I was also traveling to like some open mats there as well. So like I went to like Autos. I trained with a lot of the guys that were there at the time and like some other gyms that are in this, like the San Diego area, especially like LA is like a, and Southern California in general is like such a hotbed for jiu-jitsu. It seems like every top world champion like has a, has a gym somewhere in Southern California. Like Cabrina has his gym in LA. And then um, like Galvao's his gym, like Autos, of course, that's in San Diego. Uh, Saul, I think still has a gym in San Diego. There's a, a whole bunch of like, so many, you go through like the who's who of like, who are like the world champions or like all of them have some sort of school yeah, or some connection in Southern California. It's true. And honestly though, like those days, like you doing that, like that you did that, I guarantee you it was something you will never, ever regret, you know, like um, I, those, those times of me doing that, like, I, I, I think like, it, it made, it made me, you know, it made me understand what hard work is. It taught me how to learn. It taught me how to carry myself. And like, even when I went to acting school, I feel like, I feel like the way I learned in acting school, I was, it taught me like was from jujitsu, you know, like just, just understanding how to study, understanding how to learn, understanding like the dedication and the hard work that you actually have to put into certain things those times man like i don't know that's that, that's something cobrinha taught me it was it was that you know and it's like now too even now like i see uh, i see what he puts his son kennedy through right now and i and i can't help but laugh and chuckle at it because i'm like i remember i remember those days but kennedy is uh man i think that guy he, he's gonna win adcc i think on the next adcc and uh that world championship his name is on it you know he, he's a beast right now. He's on a complete tear. And this is uh, somebody who's still very young. And he's like, kind of like the Rotulo brothers as well. And a lot of other young up and coming people, I think in jiu-jitsu where you're, I think this is the, the generation where you're starting to see like the six-year-olds and the seven-year-olds that were training like 10 years ago. And now you're starting to see like the 16, 17, 18 year olds that are just, like they're blue, they're juvenile blue belts or purple belts, but really they're like, they already have the experience of like world-class black belts. Yeah. You know, that's something that I was like thinking about for a little bit too. Like when, when you and I were like white belts, blue belts, like back in the day, you didn't see a lot of like 17 year olds, 16 year olds that could tap out black belts and like that were better no. than black belts. But no. as you saw the jujitsu evolution go and how, how much like the techniques evolved, 
it's like now you're always seeing 17 and 18 year olds that can hang with black belts. I shouldn't say always, but there, there's a there's a solid group of them in California and uh, even some guys here. You know, uh, there's there's a solid group of guys now that you're like you see them hit 18 and you're like, man, this guy's already one of the best in the world. It's like, how is that? That's crazy. You know, it's like the Burambolo started happening and all the all the crab ride stuff and worm guard and all that stuff. And like, I remember, I don't, I don't think a lot of that was happening when we were like white and blue belts like a while back. <laughs> I think that yeah. um, I think that that's really helped make it so that like the younger guys, like the technical skill level right now. It's insane. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Because, I mean, like, even if you just watched, like, did you watch fight, um, who's number one yesterday? I did watch that. Yeah, because Kennedy was so, on. So I always oh, because Kennedy was on. Yeah. Yeah. But you look at the main event, right? The young generation now is just coming up there. They're just – it's unbelievable. And you see yeah. the main event where basically you get the back take within the first two minutes. And it's over. It's, it's, it's crazy. And that was nuts. I remember last night I texted one of my students um, and I was like, Hey, who, who's going to win? And he writes back Kanan. Like, and I was like, or Kynan. And he's like, I was said to him, I'm like, man, Adolfo is a wrecking ball though. You think he's going to, you think it's going to be like an easy one? And he's like, no, I like, I, I did not, to be honest with you, I, I did not. I didn't see that happening. I did I not see that. I probably would have picked Kynan, but I wasn't expecting it to be that dominant of a, of a win. Yeah. yeah. I feel the same way. I was like, I think it's going to be a good one. And, and Kynan was like, I almost now after seeing that, honestly, I want to see him face Gordon again. I really do. You know, I feel like he's, I think like somebody like him, man, he's only 22 years old. Like what the hell, you know, that, uh, that's pretty crazy. But Galvao's yeah. got Galvao's school. He's he's got just a bunch of beasts everywhere. That whole gym, you know, like that's another one that I can see. Like the way they train is just like they just live it, you know. Oh, hundred percent. And it's like it, it's just the time, the dedication. Those guys are athletes. That's what they're doing, and they're in the mecca of it all. That they get to stay there, and they're doing what they want to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it's like that at Cobrinha's like, um, I found when, when Cobrinha was younger, like when I first started training him with him at like 26, he, he would almost like have more patience with people in the sense of like, he'd give them a few chances, you know, uh, if they're a competitor, I mean, and now, now it's like, he gives you one chance and that chance is like, He'll, he'll see literally, like, if he feels you're wasting any of his time, sure, he'll still train you. But if he's yelling at you in practice and really, really, really hammering down on you, it's it's because he knows that you want it and he sees that you care and, and you've shown him that he's going to teach you, you know? And uh, I, I just that, – uh, that that type of training is it's nuts, man. No, I think that's important though. Like he's going to, he's going to invest and put his time into you. If he sees like, if he sees potential, I had a a lot of the instructors where I was training, like when I was in San Diego and I was down there, they were endlessly just like, you probably had this too when you're training, just breaking your balls constantly. Like, Hey, you, you need to be here. Hey, why are you skipping practice? Hey, get up, (laughs) get up. It's 3am. It's time to bolo. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) So true. I remember if I skipped the practice, I'd walk into his gym and I tried so hard not to even make eye contact. I'd just be like, <laughs> go stick to the changer and put my gi on and go, go to the mats. 
and just like hope he didn't say anything to me. I'm like, I hope he's busy, you know, but never failed. Every single time he, he catches you. If you're, if you're one of the guys that's training there often, then he's on you, you know? So now, uh, so now you're, you're not, you haven't really competed much the last few years. And you were talking about like, Hey, you're more passionate about like, Hey, like, you know, I, I started to teach a lot more and I, I started getting a lot more passionate about that. That's something I've, I've felt at actually the last few years. Cause like a lot years ago, like I was competing a lot. I would compete like almost every month for yeah, man, like a couple of years. I did that. I was yeah. competing all the time. And now I would say the last couple of years, I would say maybe from like 2018 to now 2019 to now I've, I've had a lot more fun teaching yeah. versus versus competing. Like I still have plans. Like I still want to compete. I still want to do like, you know, world masters. I still want to do some like local tournaments when, when there's actually local tournaments. But my, oh, my wow. question to you is when did you start, <laughs> start getting uh, more passionate about teaching? And like, when did that, when did you start transitioning from being like, Hey, I want to be a world champion to, Hey, now, you know, I'm having more fun teaching. I want to do this. I want to open a school. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was when I, uh, right, right at Purple Belt, right at Purple Belt, I, I, I realized that that's, that's more what I wanted to do. And I think, um, I think it's like, uh, part of the reason why I went to Cobrinas too is because back then there wasn't a lot of jujitsu academies in Canada still. Of course, we still had all the like, uh, the guys that have been like around forever. You know, the guys that first started academies, but um, I'm in Burlington. So like there was like nothing around that area. I was driving all the time to Mississauga back and forth. And I, I wanted to I wanted to bring his jujitsu style back to Canada. And I wanted to teach teach that style. That was kind of just like something that I really wanted to do. And uh, I found that when I was competing, I was almost not as happy as when I was teaching. And I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm a big believer in, like, if you're going to do something, I think you need to absolutely love it. Like, it needs to be like, you know, like, um, you know, if you see athletes like, like uh, Sidney Crosby, you see athletes like, um, like, uh, you know, I'll throw Conor McGregor, uh, all those guys, Anderson Silva, high level athletes, people that are doing high, high level uh, athletics. I find they're always happy doing what they're doing. You have to love it. You got to smile. You got to be extremely passionate about it to do that. And I think that's why I had a lot of success, success teaching uh, kids competition because I love teaching kids. They, they, they're so focused, so dedicated. Those kids competitors, man, they, they just go, you know, like uh, they're always in practice, always training hard. They've got, they've got good attitudes. Like, you know, when you walk into a practice, you can tell if somebody wants to be there or not. You know, like somebody comes into the gym and they're kind of like mopey and exhausted and, and like, you can tell they don't really want to be there. They're kind of just going through the motions. You know, it's like, you can be in class, but are you really in class? You know, mm -hmm. like, um, that, that type of thing, I think is where I realized, like, I got so much more pleasure off of coaching and, and building some solid competitive kids than I did when I would disappear for two months. And, and go train and break myself down. I, I feel like, I think I just started to enjoy it more. And then uh, I also had the other things that I wanted to do, like acting and stuff like that. And uh, that's where I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of enjoying getting a bit of a, a different lifestyle, you know? 
No, I think that's awesome. So like, so, so how'd the acting thing come into play? Like, mm. was it just like, ah, is that kind of something you always wanted to do? Or is it just like, yeah, you'd be good as an actor because you were in California. So you're like, kind of seeing both worlds. Yeah. So or is it, sorry, is it because you're really, really, really ridiculously good looking? <laughs> <laughs> so you know that uh, there's a show in Toronto called Incorporated. And um, I was teaching a stuntman at my gym and he ended up asking me, he's like, hey, we, we got a fight scene tomorrow that we're going to do on this show. And uh, he was like, asked me if I would come and do a scene on the show. So I, I went and I did that scene. And after that whole day, I was just like obsessed with it. Like I, I fell in love with acting, you know? And I used to, when I was in, uh, when I was in school, like uh, when I was younger, I used to do all that drama stuff, theater stuff. I did all that, you know, I was always, I was into that stuff. And um, then, then after the incorporated show, I, uh, I, I was, I was pretty hooked. So I went, uh, I went and got an agent and uh, I went and got headshots, did all that stuff. And then um, I was like, the funny thing is, is like, I felt like that guy that walked into the gym and was like, I can do UFC, you know, and everyone's like, (laughs) bro, bro, let's trade some UFC, bro. Yeah, no, you you can't do UFC, man. You've never even trained before. And you're like, no, I'm tough. I can fight, you know, and you're like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. (laughs) You you have no idea. Like, when I get mad, I could could just fight, man. (laughs) Right. So I, I literally felt like that. So I, I went, I went in and what I mean is basically I knew nothing about acting. I just thought, you know, I could do this. How hard could it be? Like, whatever, you know, I embarrassed myself straight up. I won't lie. I embarrassed myself. And uh, I, then I was like, man, okay. Like I had a, I had a casting director literally like tell me straight up in front of, in front of like 30 people. She's like, she actually said that to me, which is really funny. She goes, she goes, you know what? You're lucky. You're good looking. She goes, because <laughs> she goes, because you need acting lessons. And I was like, she just like, sort of like, she hammered me though with like that, that like cold, hard truth of like, you suck, you know? And I was like, <laughs> I was like Get your head out of your ass. You yeah, suck. Great <laughs> yeah, up. She did. And I was like, okay, okay. You know, like I went home. And I was like pissed. I was like, man, shit, you know, like I was mad. So I sent her an email and I was like, not an angry email. I was like, you know what? Like I wanted to ask her opinion. What should I do? Who should I train with? Who do you think is the best acting coach? And then she told me, and she's like, you responded. She's like, look, seriously, get yourself an acting coach. You have potential. Like I was hard on you in that class because I want to make sure you actually listen and uh, so I went to go to, I, I uh, go to Lewis Bowmanders now in uh, Toronto. And uh, yeah, that's, that's where that kicked in. And I started learning there. And the funny thing is, is like, I didn't land anything until I got an acting coach. Then all of a sudden I started landing roles, you know? So <laughs> it was good that I put aside that ignorance. I think it's important for everybody, like regardless of what you're doing, if you have a business, you should probably have a coach. Yeah. If you're training jujitsu yeah. in your basement, you should probably also have a coach. (laughs) If you're doing acting, you should definitely have a coach. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like I, I, uh, I help a lot of people with social media as well now, like doing their marketing and I help some jujitsu guys that have like a pretty solid audience. 
I do their, I, I teach them how to do the SEO, teach them how to do the like side end of it so that they can grow their audience and stuff like that. And it's like, uh, it, it's, it's crazy because I, I completely agree with you. I think we all need a coach no matter what we're doing, you know? And it's, it's one of the things like, you know, you guys see and you'll like jujitsu instructors talk about it all the time. It's like someone gets a purple belt and they, their, their mind starts to think like, I'm good enough. I don't, I don't need to keep learning. I, I'm good now. You know what I mean? But I don't know. I don't think, I think it's good to always, always have a coach, you know? Yeah, definitely. I think it's imperative for everything that you do. I think, like you said, you need a coach in every kind of step you do in life, unless you know everything and then everybody would just do nothing at all. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Now, that's, that's kind of what happened with, it was like with the Cobrinha thing. Like when I found him, I was like, I got my jujitsu coach. And then when I started acting, I'm like, I need my Cobrinha. That's an acting coach, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, well, there's also the school that you could have went to, which was the Derek Zoolander School for Children Who Can't Read Good. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also one of our uh, sponsors that I've been trying to work in. And if you need a coach and if you need to, you know, do do jiu-jitsu with, uh, we have a a coach for you. That's Project X-Guard that we're working with. Aaron was wondering where I was going with that. He's like, where are you I was going? I'm totally wondering where you're going with this. Is like, we're, we're working with, we're working with project X guard and Raul Chavez. Daniel, do you know uh, project X guard? You've probably uh, have, seen him on the tournament scene. Definitely. Definitely heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Raul Chavez runs a, a not-for-profit and he's trying to help at-risk youth in, uh, in local communities in the Toronto area, but also he's branching out in the GTA. So uh, you can reach out to, to us at the choking hazard podcast page or you can also reach out to Raul Chavez if you know any kids who can be, sh- you, know, you know, with the power of jiu-jitsu, uh, shown some positivity. And I think we all know the power that jiu-jitsu can have on uh, a child's life. So you can reach out to either us at the Choking Hazard podcast page or Raul Chavez, who's at Project X Guard on Instagram. All right, cool, man. No, I'll check that out. I've definitely heard of it before. Yeah, so the we're uh, we're working with them just to you know we're doing a little uh, little exchange to kind of promote each other and you know speaking of social media, uh, want to ask you just like a little bit of advice even just on social media like what are what are usually like some prime like recommendations you would give to people that are like you know jujitsu guys that are like hey you know I want to like how do I make money doing this sport like I you know Gordon Ryan thinks a perfect example of somebody who uses social media well who uh, like he he kind of runs like he has his own brand his own business yeah uh, like what are what are some advice you would give to like young up-and-coming people that are you know they're trying to make it in jujitsu yeah my, my my biggest thing like honestly is like first learn the algorithm understand it to a T like not just like on Instagram. There's a lot of platforms right now. It depends on, it depends on like what you want to want to grow. But um, the biggest thing right now, in my opinion is YouTube and, and TikTok. Those things right now are, are insane. And people, people, TikTok, people underestimate the power of TikTok. And TikTok's it's, uh, crazy. it's insane. Like I haven't even been on there for a year. And right now my TikTok account is at 340,000 followers. And, Jesus. and that is like, I, honestly, like I didn't think, like I underestimated the power of social media too. And, and 
what what I actually I teach a lot of people about it now. I have some clients too, some guys in the jiu-jitsu community that you guys know too. Um, and and they are making good money on YouTube. Their 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 subscriber counts over 10k. I started with Cobrinha. We were at uh, 15,000 when we started. Now he's almost he's about 50,000 50, subscribers. And um, it's one of those things where it's not it's not just posting. And that's the thing that I think a lot of people think it's like post it and just leave it and let things happen. But there's a really big SEO thing on the back end of it. And it's, it's if you understand the algorithm, which is like, for example, with uh, Instagram and uh, Instagram and TikTok are very much like this. It's it's all about the watch time and how you can keep people on the page. So these types of apps, they always want you, uh, they want to keep people on their app as long as possible. That's the goal of the app, you know? So with certain videos and certain algorithms, like you'll see a lot of big Instagram accounts right now, they're using um, the photos that they're posting. They're posting, uh, what is it? Carousel photos where you can slide them over. And the reason for that is because it actually gives you more engagement because it gives you a second chance at being viewed. So they'll always show the first picture. And then if you notice, you might log back on Instagram a few hours later and you'll see the second photo of that carousel. I have seen that. So that's how they do that. Right. Yeah. See, yeah. So, so that is so that it boosts the engagement and the carousel, even if you don't double tap it, which is a funny thing. Everybody says like, Oh, I got haters on my social media. It's jokes. But even if they do like a swipe over, that's considered an engagement to Instagram. So that's why you'll see a lot of people now are posting those and uh, they do a lot of that. And then there's the other side is like the YouTube, right? YouTube is designed so that if you post a video, it'll last an extremely long time to get new views. And if you're not getting new views every day, it's just because your video is not optimized. And it's like um, the, way, the way that you're supposed to title it, the way that you're supposed to put in the description and then things you're supposed to put in the tags, you're supposed to make all of those connect. And what I, what I show people how to do really is how to find not just things that are viral, but how to find topics that are competitive, but not too competitive. So it's not a needle in a haystack. I like to call them like breakout videos. So you can do a video that's got like, for example, it could be um, the sentence for the title of the video could be typed in a thousand times a month. That's a video that you would want to use. Most people, they try to go and they type in a keyword of a sentence of something that's like typed in a million times a month. But if it's that competitive, you're probably not going to rank for it. So learning how to rank on YouTube, learning how to break into the algorithm of Instagram and doing all that stuff, I'm super, super big on. And I literally have been, I've been getting a lot of, I'm thankful for this, but I've been getting a lot of commercials through Instagram, through TikTok, people messaging me to do um, videos for them now. And uh, I'm, in, I'm actually in one of my, my YouTube rooms. Like I got all the cameras here. I have tripods over here. Like I got a lot of, <laughs> I got a lot of equipment in here. And um, I have, uh, I have, when they reach out to me, they, they always ask me like now, like what kind of skit can you do? What kind of video can you do? What's going to help this, this go viral? And then um, I always write the skit for them. Then I take the product, I put it in there. 
And uh, you can do stuff with affiliate links and all that stuff. I, I highly recommend that for jujitsu guys to find themselves a, a good company that you can get an affiliate link with and um, start growing on that as well. But I, you know, it's crazy, right? Like when I, when I started acting, people called me crazy. People said like, Oh, this guy's nuts. Like, why do you want to do acting? And I started doing the social media. Oh, this guy's nuts. Like, why does he want to do that? He's buying followers. He's like, all this crazy stuff you hear, you know, but it's like when you understand the algorithm of it and you study it, it's like what we were just talking about having a coach. I, I spent, um, I spent about a thousand dollars on an Instagram course. I spent a thousand dollars on a YouTube course and I don't regret any of it. It's crazy. Like you see these courses and people think like, man, it's a money grab challenge yourself to do one one time. And, and you won't, you won't think it's a money grab. It's about the one that you buy, but it's uh, it's crazy. There's, there's a, there's a good amount of, of business and way that you can grow on social media if you understand it. So, wow. I, 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 th I think we're going to have to have an offline conversation. I don't optimize this place. Well, yeah, I see like my son is like watching like random kids, like playing games. So like, I don't know if you guys heard of like Ryan's world, but like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a, that's Connor, a big, Connor was all that. that kid makes like, that kid makes like 20, $25 million a year. And he's just doing like YouTube, social media. He has his own line of toys in Walmart. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope he doesn't mind me throwing his name out there, but uh, I started working with Ricardo Amendolia about four months ago, five months ago. And um, now like he listen, like the thing is like, I'm not taking any of the credit by no means. Like I, I I'm showing him what to do and he's doing it, but, but it's like, it's, it's the same thing in my eyes of like, like he, he's putting in that work, he's doing it. He's, he's doing all that stuff. And now, like, every time I see him on Flow Grappling and, like, the, the, the business he's doing now in jiu-jitsu and, and the, the growth he's had, I smile. And it makes me really happy to see because I showed him how to use YouTube. I, and I have a call with him tomorrow, actually. And um, I, I try to touch – we touch base probably about once a week. And uh, we go over stuff. And um, it's just – it's super cool to see people being able to create a business off of social media, something that a lot of people think you just, you know, you can't do, or like they almost challenge it a little, you know, but I think it's like, um, it can be frustrating because if you don't learn these things, you end up throwing out so much content all the time and it could be a, the best piece of content. It could be amazing, like good quality, good video looks great but it sits on the shelf and doesn't get views because it's not optimized right, you know? So, mm -hmm. so then it, it can be really frustrating because you're like, I don't know, like, why isn't this growing? But if you, if you start to understand that, like, for example, the first thing I'm gonna, when I talk to, when we talk to Ricardo tomorrow, I say to him, like, do a, do a video right away on that Kane and Hadolfo. Like, you know, like talk about that right away because that's probably the thing that's trending right now. And if we put a proper title on it, good description, proper tags on it. It's going to go viral. So it's almost like, uh, it's almost like with social media, it sounds really weird, but I almost like I, before I do the video, I already know what I'm going to title it. I know the description. I know, I know what I'm going to, I'm going to put on it and I know how many people are searching for it. There's a lot of, a lot of cool tools out there that you can use that can help you find that information, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, there's so much wealth out there. And then again, like, just now finding out that this is something that you're 
an expert in, I would say, right? So it's like, hey, now there's a new connection. There's so many coaches all over the place. Yeah, yeah. And um, that's it. That's that's where it kicked off my gym. I, I took a I took a Facebook marketing course called the Funnel Consultant Society. And I learned how to generate leads off of Facebook and Instagram using those. One of the best courses I ever took. And um, that helped me a lot. Then when I went into the YouTube uh, part of it, I learned how to, how to do that. And it's, it's like, it, it's pretty crazy. Like um, if you have a goal on the video, something you want to sell or sell or something you want to share, like it's, it's very beneficial. Social media right now is just changing the game. You know um, right now I'm creating a um, I'm creating a video for cliff bar. And I never would have thought I'd be ever creating a video for Cliff Bar, you know? So, so that, that to me is super exciting, you know? That's awesome. Um, one more thing I wanted to ask you is like, what's, what's next for you, like 2021 and beyond? Like, what are, what are some things that you're working on? Like future projects, um, yeah. plans for the gym, uh, hopefully when things uh, normalize a little bit more. Yeah. So I, I have full plan to be finished my real estate license by March. And um, when I am licensed, I actually, uh, I also would like to start doing my own productions uh, for movies. So that's something that I've, I've had in my mind for like the last like year or so, just like thinking to myself, like, okay, you're starting to grow an audience. You're, you're, you know, I want to, I want to keep pushing that. I want to keep doing that. But then I want to, I want to have my own team. I want to have my own guys to be able to do these things with and, and just have fun with, you know? So mm-hmm. um, when, when for next year, I would like to open up the new gym um, as well. So I just, I, I want to just keep sticking, to be honest, I want to just keep sticking to things that I love. I, that, I think that's the, that's always what's worked the best for me, you know, is like, if, if I love it, if I have a passion for it, that's what I want to turn into a business. And, and that's what I've always stuck to. So that's what I'm going to do next year. I'm going to finish my real estate license, hopefully open up another gym. If this stuff is uh, all done, get a better location and uh, start uh, shooting my own productions. That's what I'm going to do. Awesome. So what, and just, you don't have to let the cat out of the bag, but like what type of productions are you looking to kind of just get started with? Yeah. So I, uh, I want to shoot movies. I want to, I want to do, uh, I want to do some movies with, uh, the guys that I've, I've developed good relationships with over the course of this time. You know, there's been some pretty cool directors that I've met. There's been some cool, uh, some guys on the acting set that I've met that I, I would like to do. So, I want to, uh, I want to write a few stories and, uh, I want to do that. You know, it's, it's exciting for me. It's fun. I, I like to do it, you know? So that's, uh, that's the plan. That's nice. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited for it. It's, 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 uh, I don't know. It's something about acting that, you know, it, it's, it just, creating and learning and, and you're always studying new roles and every time you get a new role you have to really engage in it and and study like the characteristics of it and the do's and the don'ts and you know it's it's uh it's definitely it's fun I like to learn so that's uh that's definitely what I'm going to be doing looking uh looking for like new challenges basically 
Yeah. Yeah. I get obsessed with these types of things. You know, I, I want to also, I also want to take, uh, take the social media, uh, marketing business to, to another level with that. Like I want to, I want to help people continue to learn it and study it and, and do that. Not, not to get too crazy into that, but like, you know, I help some of my friends and, and people that uh, want to learn and do that. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be, I'll definitely be doing all that for sure. Awesome. There's uh, some questions that we like to ask our guests. Um, there's one common one that we've asked, I think probably one of our, on our earlier podcasts, but we're starting to get back into it. Uh, so we're talking about like jujitsu and it working in the streets and like certain techniques. So uh, the Barambola, will it work in a street fight? <laughs> How drunk is the guy that you're doing it against? No, I'm just <laughs> I think uh, <laughs> will Aaron Gall, Irish level drunk, go. <laughs> Did you wear a belt? No. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Barambola in the street. Will he even be wearing pants? You don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I want to say yeah. I have to say yeah. I feel like the jiu-jitsu guys will kill me if I don't say yeah. <laughs> It'll work in the streets. And then another yeah. one is uh, we like to take some of the most popular cities in Ontario, such as Brampton, Hamilton. Uh, we're going to use Burlington because you're from there as well. You have to kill one, F1, marry one. Go. Damn. That's hard. I'll do, I'll do one for you. You can kill Brampton. That's fine. Like, okay. I think pretty much every other guest has killed Brampton at some point, me included, and I'm from Brampton. Okay. And then I get it. So that's kill one, marry one. And then, okay. Okay. Uh, I would say, man, that's tough, but Burlington and Toronto. And the only thing, like, the reason why I got good memories in Toronto, that's where, I, that's where I've been. I've been going in and out for auditions and, and doing that stuff. I, I was there for a little while. Now I'm more in Hamilton actually, but um yeah, Burlington and Toronto. There's a lot of like, I think movie productions and TV productions that are actually out of Hamilton. Uh, yeah, that I've noticed because I know I know I've I have some you know clientele in the the entertainment industry that I that I do like personal training with, but yeah. they they mentioned that there's a lot of shows and a lot of things being filmed in Hamilton. So a lot of people think Toronto, but Hamilton actually has a lot of sets and things like that that they use too. Yeah, that's where we filmed uh, the U.S. Weekly's Famous Feuds. We did it in Hamilton. On the, There was like a little like a mansion on the mountain that they rented. And they, mm. they used that for like a week. And that was like, uh, I guess, like Brad and Angelina's house that they like portrayed on a set. And it was like one of the coolest things I've ever done. Just like literally it was so cool. Like five, I spent like six days there and like, I don't know. I just felt weird. I almost felt like it was, I didn't want to leave that house at the end. I was like, it's my house. You know, you guys aren't kicking me out. <laughs> I don't know if Brad, I don't know if Brad or Angelina will be going to Hamilton anytime soon. Yeah, but. right. You know, <laughs> but it was, um, that, that there filming there, Hamilton is a, is a really good hot spot now for that. And it's like, um, it's, it's growing a lot in Hamilton, I find. So they're doing a lot of sets there. I think maybe too, because Toronto, I think is in lockdown right now. So I'm not, I'm not sure if they have like a filming regulation right, right now in Toronto or anything. I'm not, I don't know if they're still allowed to film, but I still do see a lot in, uh, in Hamilton. Yeah. I think there's movies and things still being filmed in Toronto. I think it's just like you were mentioning at the beginning of the, what we we're talking about here tonight was there's a lot of like very strict protocols. It's like to even enter a building or a movie set, you need to get tested pretty much on the spot. 
and like you got to go through all their protocols and everything so like it's very obviously very strict with covid still yeah yeah man it's unfortunate like i wish we just knew what is to come within the next couple months i think that's the hardest part you know like we always feel like okay we're at the end like it's just about to be over you know like now now it's going to be done and then all of a sudden they're like no wait you're in the red zone you're like what you know like what what is going on but um I don't know that that I think is the hardest part and now now you hear them talking about how they're going to be rolling out vaccines next week like what does that mean does that mean we're going to slightly go back to normal like I, w- I wish we knew you know yeah no I I well actually sorry JJ uh Philippopix, he did say June the 7th 2021 we'll be out of this so I'm still sticking with June the 7th so he said he he confirmed it. So I had yeah, like a hard me. deadline. He was like, this date is like, tw- it's like, it's like June 8th, 2021. It's over. Oh, June Man, 7th, June 7th. Oh, June 7th, 2021. I yeah. wish I knew the source of that because, and I hope he's right. I pray he's right. But so do I. I. I think his source might've been Alex Jones in Infowars, but I can't confirm that his sources. Oh, okay. I was going to say like, I hope it's earlier than that, but I mean, if we at least have a date, you know, like it's, it, it sucks, man. Like for, I feel for all the jujitsu academies and martial artists, everything, like, it's like, you know, most businesses, they can still operate to a degree, but for, for martial arts, it's so hard to operate to a degree when we always got to wrestle or grapple or something, you know, like it's tough. But yeah. whoever does keep, keep going and pulls out of this and gets out of this, it's like that slingshot that's pulling back and it's going to skyrocket, you know? Cause like when we're done, everybody that's still going with gyms, they're going to be, they're going to be in a great position because it's going to be so busy when, when this is done, I think. Uh, yeah, definitely. Last question this evening. I want to have any sponsors, anybody you would like to thank uh, floor is yours. Man, honestly, right now, like, I want to, I want to give a shout out to Patrick Terrell really quickly. Um, If it wasn't for this man, like, I don't think academics would have lasted as long as it has, you know, and uh, that's something like this guy, like, I I have so much respect for this guy. But honestly, Patrick is, uh, he, he, he kept the team alive. I have to admit he did, you know, during, during this, the coronavirus, I, uh, I definitely took a step aside to, to make sure that, you know, everything was good, not just for in the gym and, and for my outside life to maintain business and all that stuff too. But like, uh, Patrick, Patrick, I, I want to give a shout out and say, thank you. Like he, he really is just his passion for jujitsu right now is crazy. You know, it's, it's, it's very admirable. He, uh, every day, this guy is working so hard and, uh, I want to thank the students too, that stuck around and are still training and, uh, everybody that's been supporting and, uh, yeah, thanks to you guys for having me on as well. I appreciate it big time. No, thank you. And you know what, Patrick, just a shout out Patrick, he's done an amazing job. Like we had him on, like, I think he was like our third guest and like, just to, from like when we see him that time to where he is now, what he's been doing, it's, it's awesome, man. Like yeah. he's grown so much too. Really has. He's a beast, man. His jujitsu now is really like he, he's just dedication, dedication oh, yeah. that guy. So that's super cool. I mean, he's gonna be a black belt soon for sure. 
No, that's yeah. awesome. I'm glad no. to hear that. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yes. yeah. Too bad he still lives in Brampton, but it's okay. Yeah, that's the only knock uh, against we'll him, unfortunately. Him actually, we'll him though, actually, I'll spill the beans then. He, uh, he, he is actually planning to move to Burlington. So, oh, he's so, out of Brampton. Yeah, <laughs> of- yeah. Yeah, he might shoot me for saying that because he's like, Man, everybody's going to yell at me now. Um, he's, uh, he's trying, I think he wants to move like Oakville borderline area so that he can still like teach people out that way too. And, and come here because that's actually the plan for next year as well. I, uh, I, I've owned academics for a long time and, uh, I want Patrick to be a part owner of academics. That's my goal. I, uh, I think like this guy has put so much work into it and his dedication for it, like, I have to be honest with myself with the amount of stuff I'm, I'm, I'm doing right now. I think to be a sole owner by myself could be a problem. And I think there's just nobody better in, in to, to, to be in that position than him. So next year uh, we plan to look for a new location, new gym. And uh, I'm excited to say that I, I think Patrick is going to be a partial owner of academics. So that's I'm awesome. For that. Good for, good for Amazing. both of you guys. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Like I think, uh, I think he's the guy that can take it to, to that level that it needs to go. And, and, you know, it's the gym for me right now is something that like, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't take my gear off no matter what, like, I don't care what it is. Like, um, that's what happened to me when I started acting, everybody's saying, Oh, he's going to forget about jujitsu, you know, start, start doing real estate. Oh, he's going to forget about jujitsu. I don't think I could ever forget about jujitsu. I just, I'm enjoying more now, like, uh, of grabbing my gear and going to the gym, rolling, training. And I like to kind of treat everybody like I want them to know, like I'm their friend and they're my friend, not like I'm the instructor. You guys got to bow down to me. I don't like that stuff. You know, I kind of, I kind of want to just have a gym where I can go there and smile like everybody else, like almost like they got off, off work at five and uh, just go and enjoy jujitsu for jujitsu. I don't want to feel like I have to be there six, seven day, seven hours a day anymore. And, and just like coaching all those hours. I think that's what kind of, makes me makes me feel a little bit like dragged on it so uh i think he's that guy that's gonna help me make sure that i, I keep my passion and, and my love for it you know yeah so like you're not like I, it's really hard just being like the only person teaching and coaching as well we're like you'll get burned out eventually no matter how much you love jujitsu like if you're all day every day teaching coaching privates training like it's true, it's true. and I, i'm as honest as ever with my students now like i know they don't sometimes don't like it but like, um, I, I do this not just like for them, in my opinion, like I, I'm very honest with them. Like I, I can give a certain amount of time to help teach, but at the same time, I, I, the guys that I see that are like super dedicated, like I bug them. I'm literally like, why, why haven't you met Cobrinha yet? Like, why aren't you in LA? Like, how come you haven't gone yet? Like, when are you, you know, like I, I try to be there for them to get help, get them to a certain skill set. But I think like if it's what they really, really want to do, I think like that's, that's the dude that's going to do that for them, you know, like to a, to mm-hmm. a full team. But uh, yeah, that's, that's uh, I, I have more fun now, like still teaching, but, but treating it like I'm still that student, you know? Yeah, so no, otherwise, I think- I think, otherwise I think you get burnt out. Yeah. I think you'd need a partner in crime to keep it keeps you both level-headed more than anything yeah for sure 
This is why Aaron's my partner in crime. Unfortunately, yeah. I'm stuck with him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's how it works. It's yeah. how it works. And when this Even, is over, open that school together when this is over, man. You know? Hops, Hops and Gracie is coming in 2025 or whenever this thing ends. Yeah. Hops and Gracie. <laughs> Beautiful. I remember, uh, I think it was Marco was like, so what are you going to call your school? You guys are like from two different teams. I'm like, Hops and Gracie. <laughs> yeah. It might be in like a legal suit in there somewhere. Who knows? But we'll figure it out. We'll cross that bridge when we get that's there. Right. You know, even the team thing, I feel like that's a lot more laid back now than it used to be, which I think is good. Before everybody used to be like, you know, if you're not on the same team, it would be like it would kill you, you know. Now yeah. guys are now guys are training together more and teams are uh teams are still teams, but you know, I even see that in the States a lot now. Some of the highest level guys are training with other people on the other teams that are on the highest level guys, I think it's good, you know? Yeah, I know. I think it's a good thing as well. We've talked about cross training a lot. I'm a big, I'm a big proponent of it as well. I've, uh, I've been I'm to your, I've been it. to your gym and I've trained there. I've been to Aaron's gym and I've trained there. I've been all over the city. Uh, one of my students from that me and Aaron were teaching at the, at the gym that we're not speaking of. He actually went to a John Thomas seminar at your school and he was actually asking me at the time he was like oh like there's this guy i kind of want to go to a set like it, it was kind of like we talked about it a few times before and i've joked about it with him after um the fact it was like he was, he was like in his 40s he's like asking like permission to like go to this seminar and i was that was kind of weird because i'm like like yeah, yeah just go like why are you yeah. why are you asking me like kind of thing <laughs> yeah i agree especially like you know at that age i don't think anybody should be holding a gun to anybody's head like for a student wise they should they should be evolving you know yeah i was like dude you're, you're 45 like what are you why are you yeah. asking me <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, why are you asking for my permission i'm like go like i'm like it's a great seminar you should go i can't go unfortunately you should go yeah yeah it's like why why is that so common you know like i wish it wasn't you know like i think i think we have to open you have to open up the box you know nobody really knows everything but john thomas and i we used to we used to actually roommate together in Atlanta during all the training. He, he, he's awesome, man. Like, he's got one of the funniest personalities that guy. So, had him at my school, too, for like a week. It was awesome. Awesome. Um, we'll end on this. Uh, give me a funny story with you and John Thomas. Man. <laughs> so, I got a lot, but one of the things for this guy, I don't, I don't understand. I've never seen, like, he, he's probably going to shoot me for this, but literally, like, he used to wake up in the morning because training schedule was so heavy. John was, like, not wasting time for anything. Like, he literally would make his breakfast, take it, and go do his morning shit. And go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> he would literally eat his food while he's going to the bathroom. And I, I'm, like, I'm sitting there eating breakfast, and, like, I see him going to the bathroom and shut the door with his food, and I'm like, what the hell is this guy doing, man? Like, you know, I would, I would, I like, like, I'm calling him, like, dude, are you really eating your food in the bathroom? And he's just like, yeah, man. And he'd look at me like, I'm a weirdo. Like, like, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on, hold on. The door yeah. was open the whole time? No, no, like, <laughs> let's just say John is a pretty laid back dude, man. Like, pretty, pretty laid back, funny guy, but. You know what? I again, I have so much like I admire this guy. He he has not just become an incredible coach. Um, his YouTube channel, 
is literally another story of like it's insane like in amount of like two years three years this guy's got a full-time like career now just on youtube doesn't need to own a gym doesn't need to teach a seminar like he, he makes a li- make a living right on youtube you know but that dedication that he's put into training into jujitsu his passion for it he loves coaching his philosophy on it like you know but uh, he's also a super funny guy you know so we've uh, we've had some pretty funny moments well, I think that's amazing. Like, we'll definitely have to meet up again and have a couple more stories from John Thomas and yourself, for sure. Yeah, let's do it, for sure, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on again, too. I appreciate it.